Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking to us this morning. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. Not that I am looking for a gift, but I am looking for what may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord for the people of God. The church in Philippi was founded by the Apostle Paul during his second missionary journey. Sometimes after his departure, the Holy Spirit inspired him to write him a letter, encouraging them to remain faithful and steadfast in the midst of chaos and turmoil. Though this is a short letter, it contains a wealth of profound and practical teachings. Paul begins this letter in his conventional style, a greeting, thanksgiving, and a prayer. Then he proceeds to tell them about his personal circumstances, but he doesn't get stuck there. He doesn't rehearse the pain and the fact that he's in a jail cell and that he has been suffering for preaching the gospel. He moves on, and in chapter 3, he exhorts them to live by Christian principles, to put no confidence in the flesh, but instead to press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called them. Mind you, again, as I said, he was in prison for preaching the gospel. In the last chapter, he encourages them and us here this morning to live a life worthy of the calling of Christ, to live in unity, 
peace with God, and in constant prayer. He also commends them for their generosity, as we just read. Though he had learned to live with plenty or with little, relying on God's mighty strength, he acknowledges and thanks them for their generous financial gifts. The Philippians did not suffer from limita limitation theology, like some of us might, thinking that all there is is what we can produce ourselves or what is in front of us. No, these believers were extravagant givers. Though they were new converts, they were fast learners. They quickly learned how to put into practice what the Apostle Paul was teaching them. In the area um, where they were, the only church that had continued to support, to support the Apostle was the Philippians. The Apostle makes it clear that he's not saying this because he's looking for another gift. Instead, he wants them to know, as we read there in verse 17, that he wants their giving credited to their heavenly account. Did you know that you have a heavenly account? Or is this something new to you? Beloved, you and I have access to this heavenly account. Just like an earthly bank account, we must make deposits so that we can be able to make some withdrawals. Every time we give to the Lord, we are making a deposit in our heavenly account where no thief comes or moth destroys it. Luke chapter 12, 33. As the late counselor and author Dr. Wayne Dyer stated, the measure of your life will not be in what you accumulate, but in what you give away. Please understand, when it comes to giving, motives are very important. The believers in Philippi did not give because they wanted their names recognized. They gave us an expression of love, the love that they had for God and the love that they have for the believer, and also an expression of trust in God. Their generosity was God-centered, and ours should be too. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Your father who sees you in secret will reward you openly. Our giving, is, as we read this morning, is a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. When we come and we bring our tithe and our offerings and our gifts to the Lord, it is a form of worship. I'm old-fashioned. I know that we have different, a bunch of different ways to give money nowadays. 
Apple Pay, online, all kinds of giving. But when it comes to Jesus, I still like to bring my offering to the Lord in person. And I like to be reminded that as I'm giving unto the Lord, I'm also putting money and graces and blessings into the heavenly account. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, as I said, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is giving. In other words, we don't have to tell anybody else. He knows because it's all about the motives. And Jesus promises to supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Verse 19. Friends, that's biblical prosperity at its best. Sometimes we use this verse out of context. When people are having financial issues or needs, we say to them, well, the Lord will supply all of your needs. Well, he might and he might not if we're not living according to his word because he's a covenant-keeping God. And if we keep, and you know, a covenant is made between two people. The Lord has done his part, and we need to do ours. It is in the measure that you give and I give that we will receive. Luke 6, 38. True generosity arises from a heart that knows and trusts the Lord. Dr. Michael Youssef, speaking on this subject, said, we are the only ones who can block God's desire for us to prosper in all things. We can believe it intellectually, but unless we try it and test it. Remember that verse last week from Malachi? Test me now and see. Prove me now and see. We will never know the blessings that we can have. The extravagant generosity of the Philippians was evidence of their trust and love for God. The way we handle money reveals much about the depth of our commitment to Christ. Generosity does not have to do with how much we give, but the spirit in which we give it. One day, Jesus attended a worship service. And after the service, he called the disciples to the sides for a teaching moment. And he said to them, out of all the people that gave their money during the offering time, the poor widow that put the, stu- that put the two small pieces of copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny put more in the treasury than all the others and the disciples reaction was say what they were thinking that doesn't even make sense we saw all the money that the pharisees and the tre- and the sadducees were bringing to the treasure 
How could that be? Then Jesus added, they all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in that box everything she had to live on. Mark 12, 43. This widow took God at his word and believed that he would provide for her just as he had promised. She stepped out in faith believing that he who promised is faithful. You see, extravagant generosity is an act of faith. We give because we believe that he gave first. We give because we trust him. We trust his word as we just read that he will supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Her action modeled what biblical prosperity is all about. We might say, but she gave a fraction of a penny. Oh, but how far has that fraction gone? There are two parts to every miracle, I believe. What God has already done and what we need to do ourselves, our response to it. You see, God needs something to work with. The widow gave her two coins. Remember the young boy mentioned in John chapter 6? He gave his lunch. Moses, when asked by God, what do you have in your hand? He said, a rod. And the, the Lord said, give it to me. Esther gave her beauty and her obedience. And a whole nation was saved. I invite you today not to hold back because you think that your gift is too small. As we can see, little becomes much when we place it in the master's hands. It's not just believing God, but trusting God. When we are faithful with the little, God will increase it and trust us with more. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. There are many promises in the Bible for those who are faithful givers. Psalm 112, verse 5. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely. In times of disaster, the generous will not wither. In times of famine, they will have plenty. Psalm 37, 18, 19. 
David the psalmist said, I have been young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. And that's a promise that you can take to the bank. I have experienced it in my own life. Why? The answer is in Psalm 35, verse 27b. Because God delights in the prosperity. Other versions will say in the well-being of his servants. My friends, biblical prosperity encompasses every aspect of our lives. We must walk according to his word in order to reap the benefits of his promises. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, we read, Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord will is. It is as we submit to his will that we develop an encompassing and healthy view on biblical prosperity. It becomes an attitude. It's part of our lives. I want to thank you for giving your time, your talents, your treasure, your prayers to the work of the Lord and his kingdom. Our Heavenly Father receives it and credits it to your account. We want to show you now some of the ministries that your generosity has made possible.
As of today, 512 pounds of food have been donated through BEAM. 150 backpacks were given during the spring break for elementary children age, uh, a week's worth of food. Uh, the children's home have received over $5,000. Meals have been served to the homeless. Three families were hosted through Family Promise. Throughout the years, we continue to serve more meals through Home Again. $1,650 has been received for our sister church in Cuba. And as of today, I think we have over 125 boxes that will be sent out through Operation Christmas Child. And the women's ministry has collected over $6,000 and given it to different mission programs. Thank you for your generosity. The best is yet to be. Give yourself a clap offering. And to God be the glory.